and then that with Anakin, you know, kind of duplicating the Luke Skywalker role, but you see the echo of where it all is going to go. And instead of destroying the Death Star, he destroys the ship that controls the robots. Again, it's like poetry, it's sort of like they rhyme. Mm-hmm. Every stanza kind of rhymes with the last one. Hopefully it'll work. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hoth, our hosts, Carl Leclerc and Jason Hunt, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair Podcast. This is episode number 259, Rhyming Story Beats, Act 1. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Jedi Master Luke Skywalker to my Bendu, because I'm the one in the middle. We have Carl LeClaire. <laughs> you should just inevitably be the Bendu, moving forward, Jason. Well, I could get used to that. I know you could. Good old Tom Baker. Ah, yes. Carl Leclerc, Jedi Knight. (laughs) Now I could get used to that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Good, buddy. How you doing? Uh, Well, I'm good now. I had a uh, stressful last couple days, Um, especially as it pertains to making podcasts. Mm-hmm. Please, uh, share, please share your woes with everyone, because that yeah. was not a fun event this week for you. No, no. Um, I was, you know, moving right along. Everything was fun, and then two days ago, my laptop just dies out of nowhere. Completely, just it died on me. Just it was terrible. Uh, thankfully, you know, it turns out the motherboard shorted out. Um, thankfully, the uh, hard drive was intact. Uh, so. Um, all of my my audio files and stuff for podcasting and stuff is still here. Um, I now have a new laptop, which I just got back to the house probably two hours or no, an, an hour before we sat down to record. Um, so I I'm a little flustered, and I'll be relying heavily on Carl because uh, for <laughs> for this episode I will obviously have a lot to say, but. Carl's going to help lead me through this episode. Um, but because of that, I, I wasn't able to gather all of the matchup results the way I normally do. Because uh, I didn't have access to my computer. Uh, so, um, matchup results this week where I'm just going to have uh, read the tallies and all that stuff. Uh, I do want to apologize to everybody because I know you, you spent, and there were a few of you that spent a lot of time and some considerable amount of humorous energy writing your responses to our matchup. Um, so I want to apologize for not being able to get that uh, all together the way that we normally do it, but I want to appreciate everybody's responses. Quite a few of them made me laugh. Uh, but Carl, mm-hmm. what are we doing for our, our matchup? Well, again, it was it was something we had done, like I said, years and years ago, like our, within the first year of podcasting. Um, which was Count Dooku versus Mace Windu. And again, it came out of when I was just rewatching Attack of the Clones. I always love that scene when, you know, he draws down on Django, this party's over. And like, I'm always like, oh my gosh, what if he had just like decapitated Django and like attacked Dooku? Who would have won that fight? Because I just think it would be such a good fight. Um, and of course, like you said, Jason, folks had awesome responses, both both in the whimsical and funny, but as well as really well thought out reasons as to why they thought who would win um and obviously like that's the one that's one portion of the show jason always takes care of for us um so since he didn't have a computer because it had broken um and i didn't have time to go and gather them for him so uh unfortunately we can't read all of your responses but i know you did at least tally them up yes yes i did um and so the larian tally that we have here uh is 14 for dooku 13 for Mace Windu and one tie. Where do you fall on this matchup, Carl? This is a very, very close matchup. So yeah, I know. you want to swing this. I depending know. Depending on how we vote. Uh, 
Uh, I, it's so, so hard. Um, cause I could see it going either way, right? You know, so I do remember a lot of folks were saying the re so one of the resounding reasons why folks said Mace would win was because, you know, Mace took on Sidious and essentially wins. Um, and you know, he has this very powerful control of, of the pod or vape it. I don't know how you say it. I think it's a pod. Um, I think it's odd. Yeah, that you know his his very aggressive borderline dark side lightsaber technique. Um, but I still am of the opinion that he didn't beat Sidious. Sidious lets him win so that he can draw an Anakin to look like the helpless victim. Um, I think he could have cleaned cleaned Mace Windu up pretty quickly if he had wanted to. Um, so that being said, but also I mean Dooku wouldn't stand a chance against Sidious either. Um, right. I don't know. Mace comes at it with the the way he confronts him seems to think that Mace is plenty confident that if he had to, he could take down Dooku, but he also doesn't know what Dooku has been up to for almost a decade, right? Like Dooku has been out of the order for a long time. They, they just assume he's living, you know, some sort of solitary life in some way or, well, I mean, they know that he started this political movement, but they don't, they don't suspect that he's a Sith Lord. So I do think that his, his powers are, well beyond what Mace might have thought. So I'm actually going to give a slight edge to Dooku. Um, I think it would be a very close fight, but I think Dooku comes out just barely on top. But what do you think? Oh, this isn't a contest. Because this contest cannot be decided by our knowledge of the Force, but by our <laughs> skills for the lightsaber. Um, oh my gosh. No, this, is, this isn't a contest. I'm... I am full bore, just going to fanboy my way through this one. Dooku, of course. Um, I Does anybody really think I would vote any other way? Seriously? I mean, <laughs> anybody anybody really think I'm going to vote Mace Windu on this one? No. Um, no, Count Dooku is going to win. He He's a skilled swordsman. Uh, you're right in that Mace Windu seems to approach Dooku with a level of confidence and a level of, of almost cockiness, which is just you know, typical of Sam Jackson um, and Mace Windu. But Christopher Lee plays it very unperturbed as well. So you got Mace Windu there with his lightsaber ignited, you know, staring down, you know, his, uh, the bounty hunter, you know, Django and, and all that fun stuff. And Dooku's just smiling like, oh, you know, how good to see you, you know. Brave but foolish, my old Jedi friend. You're impossibly outnumbered. I don't, I don't see so. We'll see. And I think Dooku, if he had been willing to reveal himself as a Sith Lord at that time, would have been able to take Mace down, um, push him back and, 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 and take him out, um, or at least wound him there. But he's, he's having fun with this, and he's not, not feeling threatened at all. So uh, I, I think I think Dooku's definitely got the upper hand here, and I'm also going to agree with you that that Palpatine is drawing the fight out with Mace in order to uh, play on Anakin's perception of what's going on when Anakin arrives. Because I mean, let's be honest—he took out three Jedi Masters in less than five seconds, and the only one who managed to survive out of that was Mace Windu, and he's unscathed. Yeah, no, there's there's a reason for that, and, and Palpatine is is playing him. So, um, anyway, that gives us a final matchup tally of 16 for Count Dooku, uh, 13 for Mace Windu, and one tie. So, um, there you have it. Um, we are going to have a poll at the end of the episode, so stick around for that. Um, and as we get ever closer... To the last Jedi. As of the time of this recording, we are eight days away. Carl, crazy, eight, crazy. That's I just nuts. Oh. <sighs> uh, excuse me. Sorry. I cannot wait. I literally, I will be eight days and just over an hour from sitting in the theater watching this. I will be in the theater watching this in eight days. I. Mm, you better, you better not text me until. Don't worry, I won't. After I, get I will out. be busy watching. By the time I'm out, you'll be Good. in, so you won't be paying attention to your phone, even if I was a foolish enough to do that. <laughs> <laughs> True. Jason, so. heads up, Jar Jar's in it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um. Oh my gosh, I this is just nuts that that movie is so close. Um, 
And again, with this movie coming, with Last Jedi right around the corner and all of these, you know, all of this conversation around the fact that, you know, um, even from the trailers we've seen and, and, and some of the things that have been talked about about Last Jedi is it's very clearly a second act film, right? Kind of like Empire was and kind of like Attack of the Clones was. And, you know, and obviously, after, you know, after Force Awakens had been out for a little bit, that's when all the... You know, people were like hating on it and like, oh, it's just a copy of A New Hope, Um, which, again, I still don't think is exactly true. Um, But right. So it's very clear, though, that each of these trilogies so far have similar story beats, depending on which film it is. Right. Like these opening films have story, you know, act one of these three act plays all have similar story beats. Um, and I think we're going to see that in Last Jedi. Yes, we will see similar story beats to Empire and, and Attack of the Clones because it's the second act of a three-act play. And so tonight, what we're going to do is look at Act One of all of these, you know, of these plays because well, obviously we only have Act One of the sequel trilogy. But looking at Phantom Menace, A New Hope, and Force Awakens, and looking at some of these rhyming story beats, they're not copying each other, but they're rhyming story beats. Like George talked about at the top of you know the clip we played at the top of the episode. When And that was obviously him talking during the making of Phantom Menace and, you know, uh, reflecting on the fact that these movies are going to have rhyming story beats. Um, and I think that they do in a very beautiful way. So um, that's kind of what we're going to be looking at in, in the episode tonight. Um, before we jump into that, just before I, before I forget, I just want to remind folks that starting on Sunday, we're going to be releasing um, daily mini episodes right up until Thursday the re- with the release of Last Jedi, where we're looking at uh, you know certain aspects about Last Jedi. Obviously, they're all speculatory, um, but starting on Sunday, um, we're going to be releasing daily mini episodes over on our Patreon. Um, again, all you have to do is pledge a dollar. You'll have access to that, plus some other things as well if you pledge a little bit more. Um, but, uh, we've had a lot, we've already recorded a few of them and it's been a lot of fun. Like our our first one looks at Kylo and Ray, and then we did one on Luke and Leia. Um, we doing one on Snoke and the dark side. Um, and we've got a couple others as well. Um, so yeah, if you want access to that, just head over to patreon.com slash Wampazler podcast and you can, um, sign up for those over there. So hopefully you will. So anyway, hope you, uh, hope you check those out if you're interested. Um, Jason, my friend. Yes, Carl. Let's talk about some rhyming story beats. Okay. There once was a man in a shoe. He said that I feel pretty blue. He fell off the top. He hit his. Okay. I got nothing. I was trying to tell like a nursery rhyme, but alas, (laughs) I could not. (laughs) Um, Uh, Close enough. You know who my favorite fo- you know who my uh, favorite poets are? Uh, well, mine's Doctor Seuss. Um. <laughs> mine's Foden Beat. <laughs> um. So anyway, uh, yeah. Looking at these, you know, these these first chapters of Star Wars films, um, every one of these films essentially throws us into the midst of this kind of fragile political background. Um, Not that they're like intensely political stories, but that, you know, we're thrown into a story that we don't know exactly everything about, right? All of them throw us into a world where things are happening that we're not exactly clear about. I think, you know, Phantom Menace, um, not as much like things are, things are made pretty clear in Phantom Menace, Um, But what quickly becomes apparent, though, is that there is something something deeper going on, you know. So in Phantom Menace, though, we we do get a sense that there's a bit of a golden age coming to an end. Um, Whereas a new hope, you know, we're thrown into the midst of this galactic civil war where you have a rebellion struggling against this tyrannical empire. I mean, that's the language even used in the opening crawl. And to me, Force Awakens is about kind of the the end of a new golden age it's about something falling apart um right because again we all talk about how the end of return of the jedi is is essentially goodness being restored to the galaxy and you know uh, how the heck do how the heck did we get to force awakens what happened i mean again we don't know exactly how we got there yet just like we didn't know exactly how this empire came to power when we were watching a new hope right we needed the prequels for that um mm-hmm. 
when with Force Awakens, we don't know what's causing this, but it quickly becomes apparent that whatever was restored by our heroes in the original trilogy is now coming undone. Right, right. Yeah, no, there's uh, there's uncertainty in in each of, of these opening um, opening films. And I think the uncertainty in The Phantom Menace uh, gets really highlighted um, because it's been a period of peace for an extended amount of time. Um, but now there's a bit of turmoil. No one really knows how it's all going to go, how it's going to you know play out. And uh, the the rumors of the Sith returning are, are now uh, brought to bear in the Phantom Menace, and there's uncertainty um, around that as well. So uh, I, I think that's part of where the Phantom Menace gets its uncertainty from. But that there's it, they all definitely start with level of uncertainty. Uh, the um, a New Hope has uncertainty in whether or not the Rebellion can even succeed if they can defeat the the, the Death Star. Um, and then, of course, uh, Force Awakens is uncertainty in, well, can anyone step up and find Luke Skywalker? Can the, the Resistance uh, stand against the First Order, especially after they destroy Hosnian Prime and the Republic government? You know, it, it, there's a lot of uncertainty in these initial movies. Right. Yeah, and and we don't know everything. No, which is important. Um, because we need time for all of that to get flushed out. Exactly. So that's what the the trilogy is for. Right. Right. So all of <laughs> all of these all of these initial films in a trilogy are giving us a sense of what's going on in in the galaxy at this place without having everything explained. Um, and that's, that's good because that's the point of a trilogy, right? If you unpack everything <laughs> in the first movie, it makes the other movies redundant. Um, so, but to me, one of the biggest things that we, that, that, that kind of rhymes across, across those three movies is that there's this central character who essentially will become our hero with immense potential who are waiting for that potential to be actualized, waiting for something to set what they're capable of into motion. Um, and where I see where I'm seeing that in the film. So in Phantom Menace, you know, that scene with Anakin and Qui-Gon, you know, after he's, he started up the pod racer and he's looking up at the stars and talking about how he wants to be the first one to see them all. You know, this is, this is Anakin's longing for something greater, right? Um, this is his Luke Skywalker sunset, which is exactly what we get in the original trilogy. You know that that iconic scene of Luke sta- staring off at the the twin suns um, is this character who's longing for something more out of life. Um, and in Force Awakens, we get something very similar to that um, with. Ray sitting out, you know, outside of her ATAT, eating her her you know one quarter portion, watching just a ship take off in the distance, right? Like I think it's her, it's her hope to you know get something more out of life, to get off of Jakku. Eating her curds and whey, um, <laughs> and along came BB-8 and sat down beside her, and well, she left Jakku. Um, <laughs> right. I'm going so, to get back to sorry. Jakku. Okay, wait, real quick. Can we pause just for a second to talk about how amazingly adorable Daisy is in that little training video they put up on (laughs) StarWars.com? First off, she's a badass. Like, she is unbelievably talented with both a staff and a lightsaber. Yeah. Um, But when she does that, when there's that quick little, like, almost slow motion scene of her turning and pointing at the camera, oh my God, like, I fall in love with her every time I watch that clip. Every time. It's so good. Carl. Yeah. Carl, let's be honest. You're already in love with her. Correct. Correct. Hello, so. Mr. Abrams. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Abrams. <laughs> oh All right. God. Sorry. I had to pause for that. I, I absolutely love her in that, in that clip. She, <laughs> she is like, that's, that's the mark of true beauty. Like she's just in workout clothes and she looks absolutely stunning. She's so Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry. All right. Bringing it back to the point we were just talk, uh, talking about is the, the, these characters all have a desire for something more. 
and we have a focal point, a focal scene in each film where we see that that hoping, that wishing, that you know, desire for what is out of reach. Um, and, and as you pointed out, it's uh, Anakin wanting to see all of the, you know, looking up at the stars and wanting to see them all. It's it's Luke looking out at the sun's setting and and wishing that he was anywhere but Tatooine. It's Ray watching the ship leave and, and wondering, you know, if her family is ever going to come back or if she should leave and try and find them, you know, it, it, and it's there's this this sense of of being tied to where they are but wanting to leave. So, uh that's that's definitely something that's not uh not unique to Star Wars. It is definitely part of the uh hero with a thousand faces that Joseph Campbell talks about, but it's definitely part of the rhyming beats that we get in the first movie of each trilogy of Star Wars. So Right. And you know what? I think it's so cool that we that, that is a consistent theme in all of the Star Wars films um, is, you know, is that for the, I mean, again, for the, the saga films, but that commitment to the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, right? Like Star Wars, isn't the only story out there that does a hero's journey. Harry Potter does it. Lord of the Rings does it. Um, the dark Knight trilogy does. I mean, there are tons of films out there and, and, and that give us a hero's journey, but I love that every Star Wars trilogy starts with a hero's journey starts with, Again, a character who is unfulfilled and knows they can become something more because I think that's one, that's one of the beauties of Star Wars is, is what, what draws us in as an audience is are these characters that know they can be something more. Star Wars is about calling us out to become something more. So it's great that every single era starts with that central character who's in that place. Um, that says you can you can be something more. It, 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 Star Wars, at its core, in a way, is always calling out um, to us, saying that you can become more. Follow the journey of Anakin, become something more. Follow the journey of Luke, follow the journey of Rey, and become something more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I just to me that's just the sheer genius of of these Star Wars stories. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, sorry, but you know, and and, and kind Great. of, kind of following that that point is also that we get a sense that each of these central characters, their lives are kind of being wasted in their current state, right? Like, um, this would be like if Wayne Gretzky never picked up a hockey stick, or you know, Michael Jordan never picked up a basketball, or George Lucas never picked up a camera. Um, right. You know, and, and George had just gone into the family business of running his dad's stationery store. Um, you know, I, I, I still, we, at some point we do need to do an episode on how George Lucas did a hero's journey. Cause he really did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, to me where we see kind of the waste, the waste of these characters, right. Is Anakin just working in Watto's junk shop, right? He can be so much more than that. He's, but he's owned by someone and then he can, there's only so much he can do. Luke is just stuck on this little farm. Um, you know, being a moisture farmer, even though we kind of get hints that he's a great pilot and, um, you know, there's so much more to him. And, and to me, a scene in, in a new hope that I think is, is just absolutely awesome and, and isn't talked about a whole lot, at least as far as I know, is that first scene when we see Luke in a new hope. And by the way, I did just watch this yesterday, so it's fresh in my head, (laughs) but the scene when Luke first comes out, we get the hint, hint of his theme, you know, John Williams giving us the notes of here comes our hero. But then all the Jawas run off. They kind of scream and run off almost as if he's something mysterious, right? There's something about Luke that makes the Jawas kind of run off. And I just, I really like that scene. Cause it's like, what are they afraid of? They deal with farmers every day, but there's something special about Luke. I mean, Owen's kind of gruff and rude, but they don't seem to have a problem with him. But Luke shows up this kind of soft hearted, kind young man. And they run off, right? Like there's something more about Luke. Makes you think he's been buzzing their sand crawlers when he's on his T sixteen. <laughs> he's not just bullseyeing bullseyeing womp rats. Nope. Um, but uh, and, and again, obviously with Ray as well, she's wasting her life away as a scavenger. And 
again, we get that beautiful little scene of her after she comes back with her first, you know, her first haul from the movie and she's sitting there cleaning it and she looks at this older woman sitting across from her and kind of just pauses. Again, it's just showing to us like Ray does not want to become like that, right? She does not want her life to waste away as a scavenger on Jakku. No, no, there's, uh, and this is very closely connected to the previous point about them, you know, wanting to actualize the potential that they have because it is because of this wasting away that they, they the sense of wasting away that they want to leave, that they feel the desire for something more. Um, and, and each of them feels that and they express it in different ways. Um, I think Ray is probably more resigned to it than either of um, Luke or Anakin. Anakin is hopeful, but circumstances are literally tying him down because he is a slave. He has no actual freedom. He's hopeful and he, he acts and thinks like he's, he's got you know the freedom to go off and do these things, but he doesn't actually have that ability. Um, and then Luke is bound to the farm and to his aunt and uncle by a sense of duty. Um, and family. So, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it manifested in, in different ways, but this is what grinds their, their gears gets, you know, gets them irritated and makes them feel like, you know, is what drives their desire for something more. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, like that's such a, uh, such an important part of star Wars. Again, like that, again, if you go back to the ni- just, you know, a new hope in 1977, you know, Luke wasting his life away, doing the family business is George Lucas in Modesto, California, feeling that pressure to just do what would in a way be easy and just take over his dad's stationery store. Right. Um, right. There's, there's a complacency, um, and just doing what you've always done. Even exactly. if, even if you know you could be and do something more, there's a there's a, there's an ease in being complacent, um, and the Star Wars story is very much telling us to you know push beyond that, push outside of complacency, become something more, you know, pick up that film camera, be the next George Lucas, aka Ryan Johnson, right? Um, the more <laughs> the more I learn about Ryan Johnson, actually, the more I'm coming around to like he is. He's certainly not the same as George Lucas, but there's a lot of similarities between the two of them. Their 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 visionary sensibilities are very are very similar. <laughs> um, yep. Yes. So in and again to sort of piggyback off that, the, what I'm learning of Ryan Johnson is you know while Dave Filoni sat and learned at the feet of George Lucas of how to make Star Wars. Ryan Johnson sort of his sensibilities have led him down the, uh, the thought processes of a George Lucas, you know, he's obviously not exactly the same, but he's, you know, another in the George Lucas type. Um, and so I, I feel like they would see things similarly. So, right. Right. Um, well, you know, Another another story beat for sure in these first films is the existence of a mentor figure, right? I mean, that's uh. an, a quintessential part of the hero's journey is the existence the existence of a wise wizard who, or a mentor figure who is going to invite the hero on their journey, and obviously that's Qui Gon and, and Phantom Menace and Obi Wan and um, A New Hope, and then Han Solo in um, Force uh, Awakens. In Force Awakens, yeah. Um, And they're all – Han Solo is the most unique of those mentor figures, right? Qui-Gon is very much a proponent of I need to free Anakin so that he can become a Jedi. He's the chosen one. Obi-Wan also, right? His whole life is now devoted to – Luke being his hope and he's going to wait on Luke and and then invite Luke to come learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi. Hans is the most kind of uh, um, opaque – Right. Like we don't know exactly what Han is implying. Like, again, that scene when they're standing on by the lake there on Takadana and he says, you know, I could use another member of the crew. Um, it's 
it's a clear sense of direction than just being a scavenger on Jakku. But, um, you know, it, it, Force Awakens is unique in the fact that, like, I remember we did remember a while back, Jason, we did the we did a two part episode where we looked at, you know, the hero and the being called. And then we looked at the mentors and who call them. And mm-hmm. we talked about how Maz Kanata essentially gives Ray her her kind of direct call. Um, yeah. But, you know, I remember a lot of listeners were like, no, like Han Solo is clearly the mentor. And and that is true. Han Solo is the mentor character in so far as following in the steps of like Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. But he doesn't give her a clear sense of a calling like Maz does. Maz is pretty clear of like, take this lightsaber, go find Luke. Right. That's a very clear direction of here's what you need to go do. I, I, it's not quite clear what Han is doing. I don't know if Han's Han's just inviting her on in a similar way to like that. He invites Luke in at the end of a new hope, right? Like when he's like, you know, you're good in a fight. We could use you, right? Just like looking to add to the crew. I don't know if it's anything more than that for Han. And maybe that'll get explained a bit more in depth in, in last Jedi. It might. And if, if for some reason, Ray does end up becoming their daughter, but I don't think that's the case, but, um, I don't know. What, what do you think about all that? What do you think about Han's invitation of, to Ray in Force Awakens? What do you think is the intent behind it? Um, I, he's trying. She is completely out of her element. Um, she uh, she left Jakku with Finn and BB-8 to help them. She, you know, she she's also unique in that the mentor isn't the one who gets her off off world uh she kind of gets herself off world to help her new friends but han i think feels somewhat responsible for that because she used his ship to do that um and so when they're on takadana and she's looking around and she makes the comment she's never seen so much green in her life and she's just you know standing out out at the on the foot of the uh the falcon there just gazing at the the landscape he he's trying to give her some sort of of foundation some sort of framework some sort of direction that you know some sort of you know place to hang her hat uh you know as she since she is, she is so far from home mm-hmm. uh so far from what she is used to i think he's he feels a little bit responsible for that because she used his ship to do the, to do so and now she's you know, where she never thought she would be. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but all the same, right? It was important to get a mentor figure. If, if Ray didn't have that, you know, that wouldn't have worked. That wouldn't have made sense in force awakens. Um, because again, at the end of the day too, you do need someone just, just following that motif of, Right, well, like we've been talking about, the idea that we that someone can have enormous potential, but they need a way to like bring it out. You essentially need someone to help you bring that out, right? Because you do get complacent in what you're doing, so you need something to to help draw it out, but also help guide it, right? Um, you know, in mm-hmm. a way, Finn breaks her out of her complacency in a very abrupt way, right? BB-8 breaks her out of her complacency in a very abrupt way. Um, and you know we're going to talk about this in a mo- in a second here, but you know when Luke's you know Owen and Beru are slaughtered, that abruptly changes Luke. But he also has Obi Wan there to direct what to do next. Um, when Anakin's freed from slavery, Qui Gon's immediately there to direct what to do next. When Rey leaves Jakku, she needs somebody like Han to say like come be part of this, right? He, he's essentially inviting her into what she wants most deeply. I think that's actually, yeah, that's what the mentors kind of do. Anakin wants to be a Jedi, right? It's what he's always dreamed of. That's what Qui-Gon invites him into Luke. Just he wants to be something more. He it's, it's, he doesn't know exactly what that means for him, but when he hears about his father, who was a Jedi knight and fought in the clone wars, he wants to be like that. And Obi-Wan invites him into that Ray. What does she want? She wants family. And what does Han invite her into? Essentially a family, right? Han says, come join our ship. Be, come home with us, right? Like, so Han is inviting her into what she really wants. Yeah. So again, like a lot of these, these story beats then are going to, um, 
be taken straight out of you know hero's journey from joseph campbell and part of the hero's journey is once they once they're able to to be freed and become something more so again like for anakin that's literally being freed from slavery for luke it's um i mean the sad reality of losing what he feels bound to tattooing for which is to be with his family and for Ray, I think it's kind of a sense of, of, of loyalty to Finn and a possible new friendship. But once they're free to go become something more, um, they have to like enter this new world. Right. And right. Like I think it's called like crossing. I think it's called crossing the threshold. Um, so and we see that represented for Anakin in Phantom Menace when he goes to Coruscant. Right when yeah. they're flying into this massive planet that's just one big city, that's Anakin entering a very different world. Um, you, go, you go from a dust ball to a planet that's an entire city. I mean, you can't get much different than that. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. I mean, I I can't imagine what that would have been like. You know, I oh. It's just overwhelming sensory overload, but he seemed to take it pretty well. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ah, oh, youth. Um, uh, and obviously for Luke, that's going into Moss Eisley's cantina. Um, you know, it's debatable whether Luke had ever gone to Moss Eisley before, um, but he certainly had never been in a place like the cantina, um, and that's very clear because, again, the, the the beauty of Mark Hamill as an actor is 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 just rampant throughout. The uh, the original trilogy, and I, again, I think we're going to get even more intense acting from Mark in in Last Jedi. But when he walks in, and he just kind of pauses on the steps, right? Like Obi Wan just continues right down to the bar, but Luke kind of pauses to take everything in. Again, this is someone who's kind of taken aback. He's never been in a place like this before. Right? Um, it's like walking into your first Star Wars celebration. <laughs> <laughs> You will never find a more wretched hive of geekdom and fandom. <laughs> you must be conscious. Um, <laughs> or just ecstatic. Um, right. But yeah, no, it, I, you're right. He's the, it's the innocence of Luke, the, the naivete. He is so naive and so obviously never stepped foot in a bar before or a cantina before. It's painfully obvious. Oh so. yeah, for sure. Um, and then obviously for Ray, um, it's going into Maz's castle on Takadana, right? And debatably, almost she actually raises a little bit of a combination of both Anakin's and Luke's, right? Just flying into Takadana. I've you know I've never never knew there was so much green before, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like being taken back just by the physical environment, and then a place like Maz's, you know, castle. This like hangout spot she's never in a place like that before either um yeah. so again like I this is them this, i think she's less affected by the the menagerie of aliens uh than luke because she she's run across some some aliens before uh in her scavenging right but um but yeah just the whole situation is is alien if you will yeah yeah um but yeah and that's obviously again it's an essential part of the hero being stretched, being taken out of their comfort zone, taking beyond that sense of, um, oh my God, what was the word I was using earlier? Uh, complacency. Thank you. Yes, there we go. Thank you. I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, but the, these experiences all stretch them beyond their complacency. Um, mm-hmm. But again, they're all experiencing that with their mentor, right? Kind of right beside them. So again, that's an important aspect too. Um, another thing that is very similar in all three of those films is the introduction of a villain who is being controlled by a bigger threat. Now, to be fair, um, the first villain we really meet, well, no, the first villain we really meet in Phantom Menace is Newt Gunray. Um, and then, you know, eventually we get Darth Maul's introduction, but, you know, both Maul and Newt Gunray are being controlled by a, a bigger threat. So, so here, here's here's one point across these first act movies that doesn't directly have to deal with the hero's journey. So, you know, that's right. it's nice that we're straying outside the hero's journey for some of these these rhyming beats. Um, but yeah, you're right. 
Maul and Gunray are both controlled by Sidious. Um, Maul is definitely the more threatening of the two. <laughs> that's for sure. Right. Um, but uh, but Gunray is the one that we that is the one who initiates the conflict. So uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then obviously in A New Hope, Vader and Tarkin are the surface villains. They're the ones who are you know they provide the most imminent threat. Mm-hmm. But we know just again it's very casual. In A New Hope, we get a little bit more sense of it in Empire Strikes Back. But in A New Hope, though, there is a very clear sense that there is there is this emperor figure who's behind everything. Right. Um, it's it's the same character behind by behind all the schemes in both both trilogies. That's a pretty powerful mm-hmm. schemer. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's what he's good at. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, in Force Awakens, we have Kylo and General Hux. But again, becomes very clear within that movie that Snoke is clearly the mastermind who's who's kind of pulling the strings and, um, in a way, pitting them against each other too. Right. Um, and apparently, we're going to get more of that in in Last Jedi. Is is Kylo and Hux very much don't like each other? Oh, I'm sure they're vying. Sure. They're vying for Papa Snoke's attention. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, the the dynamic between the two uh lesser villains uh maul is there to set newt gunray straight vader and tarkin are almost essentially equals because they control different parts of the job basically uh, uh tarkin is there to oversee the completion and the operation of the death star uh, Vader is there as basically security enforcer, um, making sure that the plans are taken care of and the rebellion that and the rebels that took those plans are captured, killed, or punished. Um, and then, of course, uh, the the dynamic, as you said, between Kylo and Hux is one of squabbling siblings that are being pitted against each other uh, by Snoke. So. There's always some sort of interesting dynamic between these two lesser villains. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, you know, it, it's all to set up this uh, thematic element, though, of the fact that there is an there is a in your face threat. But even if you overcome that, <laughs> something deeper, right? Right. It's like you know you, you got to pull that weed out by the root, and we're definitely not getting to the roots in these first act films. No, we're just trimming the uh, the leaves off the top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then again, of course, every one of these opening films is about the death of a mentor, um, mm-hmm. which I'm pretty – I'm not exactly sure if that's directly part of the hero's journey. I did. I, I should know this, but I can't exactly remember if the death I think of the mentor. Usually, okay. Usually it is. Um, obviously, you know um, – Arthur loses Merlin and and that sort of thing. Uh, Frodo loses Gandalf, um, and of course, Anakin loses Qui Gon. Luke loses Obi Wan, and Rey loses Han. So right, yeah. And to me, in a sense, all of that—the sense though of losing the mentor—serves the purpose of pushing these heroes, pushing these characters to really take a sense of ownership to their calling, right? Taking, yes. a, taking a responsibility for continuing it, even without the mentor directly there guiding them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've taken their first steps into the larger world, and now it's up to them to take responsibility for that meaning something more. Right. Yeah, no, that definitely. that the, the death of the mentor is that point where the hero is forced to... Uh, either give up the quest or take ownership of it essentially. And thankfully in each of our opening trilogy films here, uh, they all take on the ownership, take on the responsibility. So, right. I think the only one that is the most muddled of, of those three, those is, is obviously Anakin's predicament, right? When Qui-Gon's killed, right. And they're at that, the funeral pyre and he turns to Obi-Wan, you know, what will happen to me now? Yeah, the council has to be permission to train you. 
you will be a Jedi. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and a lot of that is just due to his age. You yeah, know, he, he's right. not old enough to, you know, train himself to be a Jedi, essentially, obviously. Uh, he, he's not old enough to get involved in some sort of uh, rebellion or or go on a, a quest to find Luke Skywalker. He, he's, you know, he's a little hampered by his age. But yes, he, he ultimately is able to... Um, be trained in the way that Qui-Gon wanted him to be by Obi-Wan. Right. And I think, you know, what is important, because that's a great point, obviously he is too young to to react in a similar way to like both Luke and Ray. Um, but he doesn't whine and complain of like, oh, I don't have Qui-Gon anymore to train me. Like, what will happen to me now? And Obi-Wan basically says, I'll take up that mantle. And as far as we know, Anakin's probably like, all right, good. Because he... And that is a sense of like, like he could have just been like, no, like I, I only wanted to do this with Qui-Gon. He was going to be the one to do it. But no, he accepts what's next. And what's next is letting Obi-Wan train him, even though he thought it was going to be Qui-Gon. Right. Um, and same with Luke. Like Luke takes the responsibility of continuing to pursue what the, for, the force holds for him. And um, again, we, we're getting a lot more of what that looks like through the comics and, and it, some of the new canon stuff. But Luke does take that responsibility. He doesn't just say, well, Obi-Wan's dead. I'm, I'm done, right? And right. clearly the case is true with Rey. Like when Han dies, um, she's kind of, she kind of goes all in then, right? She, she mm-hmm. confronts Kylo and then she even leaves to go find Luke, um, right? She is committed to going off and, and doing something more. Um, and yeah. uh I think in a small way, right? Like those mentors never fully leave their protégés, right? Like in a way, I think they're always going to do something to try to impress them. I'm sure in the back of Anakin's mind throughout much of his training is, is, you know, I hope that I would impress Qui-Gon and Luke is probably like, you know, I want to make Obi-Wan proud in what I do. And same with Ray. Like I want to do honor to Han Solo, right? For what he offered me. Right. And I'm sure Qui-Gon sticks around in a sense that, you know, obviously he appears to be keeping an eye on Anakin because uh, we find out through Yoda's meditations. Um, Obi-Wan obviously has direct contact with Luke going forward uh, from beyond the grave, so to speak. Uh, It it remains to be seen what sort of lasting impression Han has on Rey, but you can imagine there will be. Right. For sure. Um, one other, you know, a couple more of these, these rhyming, these rhyming beats, um, is, and again, this was directly referenced by George at the, at the top of the show with that clip we played, but the, the idea that the hero accomplishes some fantastic deed, some fantastical deed almost, right? Which for Anakin, it's destroying the droid control ship, um, which rhymes directly with Luke taking out the death star. But Ray's Ray's is very unique, which I actually really like. And hers is defeating Kylo. Yes. Yeah. Hers is not not blowing up Scriptacular Base because that was Poe's job. Um, She she defeats Kylo. Not not obviously kills him, but she defeats him uh, in a way that demonstrates her, not only her abilities, her raw abilities with the Force, but her acceptance of being open to the force. So, um, and, and the willingness to, to move in that and to, uh, walk, um, in that. Right. It's very similar to like what Chirrut does when he goes out to that master switch, right? He just becomes a conduit of the force. He lets the force kind of just embrace him and, and moves forward with it. And that's kind of what happens with Ray when she defeats Kylo. She becomes just like kind of this pure conduit of the Force. Um, Carl? And, yeah? I love you for, for mentioning Chirrut for me. <laughs> it makes me so happy. Yeah. Well, you know, he's pretty great. So He's um, more than great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially Luke and Ray too. I mean, we see them surrendering to the force. I and mean, we don't directly see that with Luke or I'm sorry, with Anakin, right? Like Anakin just, his is almost luck 
um, which we can attribute to the force, right? Like, whoa, like he didn't mean to directly take out the uh, main reactor, mm-hmm. but he does. There's something, you know, obviously it's clear that there's the, something is bigger guiding his actions in there. Um, yeah, and, and you could almost include the pod race in that, in, in Anakin's um, fantastical deed as well. Yeah. You can almost, you know, sort of connect the pod race and the, the droid control ship. And I think Anakin is, is a little unique as well because um, obviously it, being a virgin of the force, being born of, you know, the force and uh, being the chosen one, he almost has a much more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not casual relationship with the force, but a much more open-ended interaction with the force. He doesn't have to reach as far. He doesn't have to concentrate as much in order to draw on the force, in order to use the force. Um, he has his ability as, with raw talent and raw, not necessarily skill, but raw ability, um, seems to be much higher. He has a much higher aptitude for just raw ability and, and doing things out of instinct that is actually, you know, drawing on the force. Whereas Luke and Ray um, have to learn to reach out and learn to, to make contact with the force and, and learn to trust it and use it. And I think part of that is due to Anakin's youth um, in mm. the Phantom Menace. He's, you know, kind of just trusted implicitly because of how young he is. Um, and so I think I think there's a little bit of a difference there, but the theme is the same. Yeah. I like that. That's a great connection. Yeah, that for Anakin it is just it is this instinctual response. Um because young, you know, children are instinctually more likely to just trust to yes. to surrender themselves in a way. Um that's much more childlike and he is young. Um but right, but yeah, I mean, I, I love those visual cues we get though in A New Hope and Force Awakens though, where you know, Luke, Luke, you switched off your targeting computer. Is everything all right? I'm all right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's totally got this. But he's sur- right. He's surrounding himself to the Force. He's doing what Chirrut does, and mm-hmm. then Ray, the same thing. Right when Kylo, Kylo's like, I can teach you the ways of the Force. The Force. She like closes her eyes, like Maz had invited her to do earlier, but she didn't, and then she just like lets the Force take over her, and that's why she's able to defeat Kylo again. So like, again, to all those naysayers that still say it's so ridiculous that she beat Kylo. Um, again, it's, it's a very wounded Kylo. Also a Kylo who's very emotionally distraught. Um, I also don't think Kylo's trying to kill her, right? Like otherwise he wouldn't have offered to train her. Um, and then she just becomes this pure raw energy force power that just like overwhelms him. Um, yeah. And again, all of these things, all of these accomplishments, all these fantastical things aren't strictly just it's not it's not directly Ray who defeats Kylo. It's not Luke himself who takes out the Death Star. Right? We saw Red Leader already fail. Um, you know, and Anakin's the only human that can win a pod race, let alone pod race, you know, so there's something bigger that guides them, and that's what allows these fantastical deeds to be done. Right. Right. And those fantastical deeds often uh, result, and I'm going to just move into our final point here. Yeah. Uh, often result in, in a three of sorts at the end. Um, and it, it's, you know, a smaller victory uh, in the grand scheme of things, but it is a victory nonetheless. Um, obviously, we get the, uh, the victory of the Naboo over the Trade Federation. Uh, the droids are incapacitated because the droid control ship is destroyed. Um, and Naboo is freed. Um, A New Hope is the first, you know, uh, obviously Rogue One is the first major major victory against the the Galactic Empire, but uh, A New Hope is we destroyed the Death Star. The, you know, this ultimate weapon cannot cause any more fear and terror across the galaxy and won't blow us up in two minutes. Um, And then, of course, the Force Awakens, uh, the victory is enough so that Rey is able to go back, grab Finn, and they can leave Starkiller Base so she can go find Luke. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, like we talked about earlier about the fact that, you know, just like these villains that we are confronted with in all of these films are the surface level villain in a sense, right? There's a deeper threat. 
the victories are all in a, like you said, you know, they're kind of these smaller surface victories, you know, for Phantom Menace. Yes, they've won the day. So they think, right. Um, but again, all, during that entire celebration, the music is the Emperor's theme, right? Like this is, <laughs> this has just begun, you know, Palpatine's rise to power. Um, they just don't see it. Um, but again, like the, the, the imminent threat has been resolved of, you know, what to do about this blockade. I mean, that's what we're told about in the opening crawl. The, the problem here is the blockade and it's resolved by the end of the film. Same with the right. new hope. The opening crawl tells us that there's this threat called the death star. Well, at the end of the film, they vanquished that threat, but the empire yeah. is still very much in control. <laughs> um, and Force Awakens opening crawl essentially is telling us that the resistance is trying to get to Luke. They want to find Luke. Well, by the end of it, they're able to do that. The First Order still exists. Snoke's still out there. Well, and Kylo and Hux are both still alive, so they don't even kill any of those you know surface threats. But you know they do take down at least the imminent threat of Star Killer Base continuing to wipe out planets. But and they do go and find Luke. But there's still so much more to be to be resolved. Right. Right. Um, it's, it's a victory. None, uh, it is a victory, but the the war's not over yet. So there, there's still more challenges that await each of our heroes. Um, this is just that first, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Uh, (laughs) exactly. Uh, but it gives them that, that first taste of victory, that first taste that, that this path they've chosen is worth it and is the right one for them. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, there, there you have it. I mean, to me, these are all the central rhyming story beats of these first act films and, um, Jeepers, Jason, in less than, well, just over a week, we'd be able to record about the rhyming story beats in act twos of the star Wars trilogies. We, we would be able to. We won't because we right. have other things we want to talk about <laughs> first. Um, but Quite yes. right, quite right. Uh, but yes, we could. So Yeah. And I'm, that makes me very excited. Like, oh my gosh. Just over a week. Uh, Carl, I can't wait. I can't either. It's unbelievable like that that's coming up so quickly. And I just, I can't wait to see what sort of what in what ways i mean again we already know last jedi is mimicking those middle act films in the sense of taking our characters to to hard places to taking them to deep conflicts right that's what attack of the clones is a lot about um specifically for anakin you know our main hero has to deal with a lot same with luke and an empire um but all of our characters kind of get taken to their lowest and that's what we're going to be confronted with i think in in last jedi Right. Yeah. No. It, and it looks so good. Oh my gosh, it looks so good. And everything that's coming out about this, which isn't much, uh, just has me so excited. Like, oh, I cannot wait. Yeah. Carl, give it to me now. I know you have it. What? The movie. Don't give it to me. Yeah, I have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I've already seen it twice. Right. I'm watching it right now. Um, I mean, there goes Jar Jar. Oh, he's got a Boomba. Yeah, don't spoil it for me. What? We said no, have a Boomba. Yeah, take this one. Um, so Jason, just really quick before we wrap up, I quickly checked because I've been remiss to do this for a couple of days. Um, our iTunes, we've gotten two more new reviews um, just in the last couple of days. So we, we got one from DIA Podcast and the Bo, the Bible guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, so, again, the, you guys are getting some – each of you will get a pack of Topps trading cards if you email us your, your mailing addresses. Um, and we're still waiting on Chase C1865 if, you, if you're listening. Um, you were the first to do this. So we owe you a pack of Topps trading cards um, for journey to the last Jedi. So chase C 1865 DIA podcast and bow the Bible guy. Um, all three of you, if you could email us, um, Wampuslayer podcast at gmail.com, just email us your, your mailing addresses. We'll send you a, a pack of the journey to the last Jedi trading cards. And of course, thank you for your very kind reviews um, over on the iTunes store. 
And as we've said, right, like these, these iTunes reviews really help make you more visible in iTunes. So, um, again, we encourage any of you that are listening, if you haven't had the opportunity to write a review, uh, we, we greatly appreciate that. Yes. Um, we do want to give you a quick, uh, update on what's coming up next, because obviously next week, uh, is last Jedi. So we're going to be releasing, um, our episode, hopefully, uh, a little bit early next week, which is going to be our speculation episode, our episode on what we want to see in The Last Jedi. It's basically, we can't talk about anything else at this point it, other than The Last Jedi. It'll be that close, and we just have to talk about it. So that'll be that. Um, and then obviously we will have a reaction show after the movie comes out. Uh, Depending on how things go, one or two, we might do like a, an immediate reaction right afterwards, like the, the day or two after. And then after we've had a couple of days digest, we'll do an actual full show. I think we did that like with Force Awakens. We'll see what happens if we have time to, to sit down. Uh, but after Carl and I have the ability to do our reaction shows, we want to open it up for you to react as well. So uh, be sure after you see the movie to send in your thoughts on The Last Jedi. And I think we want to, in order to help cut down on potential spoilers for people who may not have seen it as early as you, send them to our email and we'll collect all those um, in a couple of episodes after uh, The Last Jedi comes out. We will do... An episode all about you, our Larians, and your reactions, your responses to the movie. And Carl and I will comment and discuss those. Uh, so we're going to get you guys involved again, as we usually do when these cam- when these come out. So please be thinking about uh, when you when you go to see the movie, give us your thoughts and uh, send those to our email uh, so that we can avoid people getting too spoiled if they haven't seen it yet and they happen across our Facebook page. So. <laughs> um, Oh, but yeah. Carl, good call. But Carl, <laughs> we, we speaking of our Facebook page, we have a, a poll that we're going to be putting up there with our Twitter account and all that fun stuff. What are we? What are we doing for this episode right before <laughs> the Last Jedi? Well, of course, we are very curious what your favorite Jar Jar scene is. Yes, of course, because he is going to be a central character in Last Jedi. If I know my Ryan Johnson. <laughs> and you've been doing your research, so obviously you know a lot. <laughs> um, no, but of course, um, to, to gear up for Last Jedi, we are really curious which character you are most excited to, to, to learn more about. Um, and it can be any character. It could be, you know, it doesn't have to be a new saga character. It can be Luke. It can be anybody you want. So which character are you most excited to learn more about in The Last Jedi? Yes. So I'm curious to see what everybody want, has to say, and uh, we'll get this posted up a little bit earlier than we normally do because uh, we'll need your responses before we record. Um, right, so- yeah. And yeah, and like Jason said, obviously we're, we're going to be throwing out a lot of content in these, these next two weeks because how could we not? There's a new Star Wars movie right on the horizon. I mean, um, so again, you know, if you want access to those mini episodes starting on Sunday and, and there's some good stuff in there. Um, and, and next Wednesday will the so a week from today, the episode, the mini episode is about what we think last Jedi will mean as an act two film, um, what that's going to look like. So it'll be kind of similar to what we talked about here, but purely speculatory. Um, so you'll have access to those mini episodes. If you, if you head over to Patreon, just pledge a dollar, um, and we're going to be doing our speculation podcast. We'll probably get that out Tuesday of next week. So a little, a little bit early so you can enjoy that before the movie comes out. And then we'll probably do an initial response to it later next week, you know, after seeing the movie the first time, um, just to get that going. And then the following week we'll dive a little bit more into that in more depth, but, um, probably have seen it a few more times since then. Well, I know I will have, I'm going the first five days. So, <laughs> um, I'll see it. A couple of times over the first weekend, uh, probably not as much as Carl, but I will see it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily, working working in a college setting, my schedule is about to become a little bit more free for the next few weeks. So that's true. Which is very nice. Perfect timing. Good break. There you go. Um, but yeah, I think that that's that's about everything we wanted to cover and and remind yeah. you all about before well, signing off from this one. If people want to weigh in on our poll. Um, or wait on anything else we've discussed here, where can they do that? 
over on Facebook, <laughs> facebook.com slash podcast. Um, follow us Twitter at Wampuslayer and uh, send us an email, Wampuslayer podcast at gmail.com. And of course, if you want access to our Patreon content, head over to patreon.com slash podcast. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I just lost Jason there or what. Well, but, I'm here. Oh, you're here. Okay. <laughs> I, I asked if there was anything else you we needed to say before we wrap this up. No, I'm all good. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This has been episode number 259, Rhyming Story Beats, Act 1. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair.